Welcome to Two Rowdy Vegans. Two who? Rowdy Vegans. Two Rowdy Vegans. Two Rowdy Vegans. All right. Episode two. And what we're going to talk about in this episode is the topic of dealing with adversity in the vegan community and the vegan activist community. Two, two, two Rowdy Vegans. 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 Two, two rowdy vegans, one plus one equals two rowdy vegans. The reason I wanted to talk about this topic this week is because being vegan, you're inherently going against the grain of society. Yeah. You're inherently against a lot. Whether it be the people around you, the society, the corporations, just the general narrative that the whole world basically tells you you're going against that. And so inherently you're gonna face a lot of adversity, whether it be in the form of judgment from the people directly around you, whether it be in the form of if you choose to speak out, uh, hate comments or just people yelling all sorts of things, whether it be in real life or on social media. I found that people can get especially nasty on social media. It's kind of really crazy, nasty. actually. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to talk about that because I've seen that shape our community in different ways. And for example, I've seen that people tend to get really worked up about that. Yeah. And they think that there's so many haters and they get down with the haters. They're like, oh, you know, like people said this or I, I have like, frankly, one of the most common messages that I get is people who are in school who get bullied in school. Yeah. Or who, you know, they like people talk shit to them in school. And uh, it's, it's just it's just crazy to me what people face, you know, like from the people who are supposed to be close to them. Because some of them, it's like my friends don't accept me or some of them, it's like my parents judge me my parents say i'm being extreme you know and you just face all these things and to me one of my missions at least as being part of an activist is to deal with this problem quote unquote or to address this to Amazing. empower the community to be able to ultimately go past this because i feel like it's important that if we are going to change the world and create a <laughs> vegan world we can't let these things weigh us down can't you gotta let them be your uh, push-up you gotta let them be the weights uh, that uh, and you act, you actually work against to make you stronger. Uh, we've had to learn that, you know, here at Rowdy Girl because you know a lot of people ask us, um, you know, well, what about all the ranchers? You know, do y'all get a lot of hate from the ranchers? A little, a lot of pushback from you know their, your family, the people next door, or whatever your neighbors? And I'm like, you know, it's really not them. I don't really get a lot of pushback from the ranching community. Uh, you know, my mom, yeah, but you know, mom's gonna be mom. Mm. But you know, the the real pushback has been from supposed vegans, uh, and you know, people that you can't really, uh, you don't really know, you know. And are they really real? Mm -hmm. Do they have a, uh, you know, is their profile real? Uh, are they being subsidized, uh, subsidized by the animal ag industry? I mean. You know, I've heard of these things, you know, mm. like PETA's had these problems mm. where actual people are planted, you know, and they are supposed vegans and mm -hmm. they're being paid. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, I just know that some of the bullshit we get, excuse my French or whatever it is, my Texan, some of the, <laughs> <laughs> some of the bullshit we get sometimes, I mean, it has really, really served to make me stronger. I want to put that into perspective because... I've gotten quite a few comments and I get everything from I'm gonna go eat bacon to I have people tell me to kill myself. Yeah, uh, I've had that too, yeah. Yeah, and stuff like that. And so I wanna put it into perspective because I'm pretty sure that for 90 to 99% of the people who are listening right now, 
you've faced worst hate comments than them. So what are some of the things that people have told you? What are some things that you got? Well, let's see. Uh, we are scamming the vegan community. We're the big scam artists. I bought these cows, conspired with my husband to buy these cows from him so that we could get rich quick. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, really. I mean, you know, my husband owned these cows mm -hmm. before we got married. He mm -hmm. owned this land. I didn't own these cows. I didn't mm -hmm. own this land. But by God, I was claiming Rowdy Girl and Houdini because I did buy Rowdy Girl and Houdini was her baby. So mm -hmm. whenever the rubber met the road and I was getting ready to, you know, draw the light in the sand and tell Tommy, you know, no more, uh, I did claim to own those two cows, mm -hmm. Rowdy Girl and Houdini. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as the other cows go, uh-uh. Those were Tommy's cows. I didn't want nothing to do with those cows. So it's interesting. You know, when I asked my husband if I could buy his cows, you know, it never occurred to me ever in a million years that I'm buying my own cows. You know, but the, the fact that some of these people out there uh, that are, you know, trying to really uh, watch us mm -hmm. are like thinking, you know, she bought her own cows. Mm -hmm. They're making money off their own cows. And if I wanted to make money, Ryuji, I promise you I wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> if I wanted a sane life, if I wanted to be like really peaceful, you know, with everything just wonderful, I'd be, you know, I'd have bought a beach house or a log cabin somewhere in the mountains and, you know, and just me and Tommy and live the rest of our retirement mm -hmm. year, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, so tell me what happened because there was a point when Rowdy Girl was coming up that you got a lot of media attention really quickly. Yeah. Where you had videos go viral, where everyone was hearing about you and it was just this huge thing. And I'm sure that at that time, as it was coming out, I'm, I know that you've been a performer before, so you probably face similar types of issues. But from my understanding of your story, at least, tell, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that when Rowdy Girl went viral, that was the most attention you've ever gotten. Yeah, ever. ever. And so how was it for you for the first time getting that attention, but more importantly, the hate that came along with that attention? How did you grow along that, that journey? What, what happened? Very good question, because I was not expecting this. I was so surprised uh, by the media uh, that, that we got. You know, when what happened was um, there was a girl named Lisa Pellegrin, and she's in our movement. She's a writer. She wrote an article for, for us, about us, for the Houston Chronicle uh, here local. And the Houston Chronicle did this big pictorial spread. They took this story. They, you know, they did it, and they just... You know, it, they, it got picked up and, and they just went wild with it, with, in, with the Houston Chronicle. It got picked up all over the internet and somehow CBS Evening News caught wind of that. And um, we get a call. Steve Hartman on the road, I got a call one day. And he told me he had heard about it, wanted to know all about us. And three days later, Steve Hartman, New York, was here with all his camera crew. Three days later. It blew up my website. My website wasn't prepared for that kind of mm -hmm. action. I mean, it, went, it just blew it up mm -hmm. and it was down, you know, because it mm -hmm. was having so many hits. So, you know, I don't know how many millions of views that CBS Evening News story has gotten now, but what came with that was a lot of people, supposed vegans, thinking that we were doing this because we wanted to be famous, for God's sakes. I mean, uh, if I wanted to be famous, I would have stayed doing what I was doing in the music business. I wouldn't try to be famous doing something I know nothing about. You know, <laughs> I know nothing about doing this. I mean, really, 
thing. I was like, you know, I mean, it was just fate. Mm. This, this was fate, you know, and everything kind of lined up at the right time, you know. Uh, I was determined to use my skills, my uh, everything I knew in my life for this cause. Mm -hmm. And so part of that is, you know, my abilities, you know, in front of the camera, uh, my stamina, you know, the show must go on mentality. I'm just made like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's how I wrote for many, many years. Yeah. I just want to address something that I find fascinating right now with what's going on. This is going to go kind of meta. What's that? But, you know, because the topic of this podcast today is dealing with adversity. And it's so interesting because one thing that I was going to point out is that, you know, you can probably hear it that when we are talking about these haters that we have or these comments that we've gotten we talk about it with a smile on our face we're laughing at it <laughs> to, to me it's like i just i just laugh it off anytime i get that yeah and it's so fascinating because beyond that if you go deeper that comes from a place where whatever happens we look at it from a positive place or at least that's what i do i, have I always focus on the positive we can choose to focus on the negative we can choose to focus on... that was actually a huge lesson that i learned in my life i learned this yes. because i used to be a very negative person i used to be very you? I, yeah i used to be i used to be negative wow and i remember like sitting in class when i was like in, in high school where all i ever wanted in high school was to be the cool kid and i wasn't the cool kid and i remember sitting there thinking i thought to myself i was like you know, I haven't really laughed in a really long time and I don't want to. And I remember just being pessimistic. I didn't have fun. I didn't smile. I didn't laugh. Wow. And one day I learned through all these different avenues that I could actually choose positivity if I wanted to. And that's when I first made the commitment to choose positivity and yes. day after day I always I train myself to yes. focus on the positive we have to because you, you can train yourself to do that like for you if you're listening and you realize that you're perhaps a person who always gravitates towards negativity you can actually start noticing that because that's what I did where I would start noticing my thought patterns and I'll be like oh wait a second I'm being really negative right yes. now let's focus on the positive positive." and what's interesting is that now it manifests in a way where whatever comments I get and I also relearned this because for me too, building Peas by Vegan, it's the first time that I've gotten this much controversial attention because I've gotten attention before, but it was never controversial because what we're talking about is very controversial and, you know, I'm, I'm going very like, I'm like, just, Your head on. I'm super vegan. Like, you know, like I'm not sure good things. Right. So that being the case, I've gotten a lot of hates and a lot of comments that, that have tried to put me down. Right. But what that retaught me was that, well, you know, I can choose to focus on that but I can also choose to not focus on that. And it goes into, there, there are different ways to do this because part of it for me is that, first of all, I forget the comment as fast as I can yeah. because I realize that thinking about it is yeah. not serving anyone. It it's it not doesn't. serving me, it's not serving the community, it's not serving the animals, most importantly. If I dwell exactly. on some negative comments, whether it be on social media or in real life, I can't dwell on no, it. No, it's just like I was, what we were talking about earlier. Well, we focus on expands, you know, with the uh, volunteers that were here. 100%. We focus on something that's going to get bigger, no matter what it is, mm -hmm. you know. If, if in the, And so some of our haters, and I really, you know, I've even toyed, you know, with the idea of not even calling them that. Because then that kind of perpetuates the idea that they hate yeah. me. And, you know, I, I really don't like to think of it that way. Um, I mean, everybody else calls them haters, so my husband calls them haters. You know, I, I see these people as um, as very misinformed. Uh, misinformed. Somehow, there's a real disconnect. I mean, why 
focus on somebody else's life to the extent that when, like every time we get viral content, every single time we get viral content, they use our our media attention like a surfboard, like like it's their surf coming in, and they're going to mm -hmm. get on their boards, and they're going to ride our media attention for all it's worth, using all of this negative slamming stuff, you know, and it's, uh, you know, all trying to, you know, put us down, shame us, you know, make us into something that we're not at all. You know, we're not perfect human beings. None of us are. But gosh, we're doing our best in our little corner of the world to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And if if these people out there could um, could you know focus on their own life. Exactly. Yeah. Because one thing that I always <laughs> what a concept, about right? is, no, no, because just just think about this. Think about how much mental effort it takes and how much dedication <laughs> and like think about the place that people must be coming from to have the time to go on someone else's thing and then say something negative about them. It's like that itself is so foreign to me. I know. I could never do that. And by the way, this I think this goes both ways because people do it to us, but I think we do it to people too. Because I've had, for example, people message me be like, you know, I just went on this person's page who was wearing fur and I shamed them. And I was like, whoa, like because that that's so foreign to me. So I think it goes both ways. Like yeah. anyone can anyone can do that to anyone. But what you said about not calling them haters, I love that because I don't like calling them haters either. Yeah. Because I don't think they hate me. Well, if they hate something, they probably hate their life. Yeah. But even so, because I never, I never judge those people. I never hate those people. And this is very key too, because one of the, because I understand why people get hurt. Because in our case, see, it, it's very tempting to say that veganism is different. And to a certain extent, I think you can say that. Because think about this, when you look at any other industry, when you look at any other person who's successful in any other field, say it's in business or in music or in art, they will also have haters. Everyone has Everybody haters. Everybody has everyone who gets, haters. Everyone who gets big or everyone who gets some sort of attention is going to have yeah. haters. It's inevitable. But what all these people say is that, well, you can't get caught up with that. Like, you know, whatever, the haters, are just, they're going to, the haters. Haters going to hate. They're, they're going to hate. They're going to be there and you just got to move on. And that's fine. In our case... I understand how you could get upset because the fact that those people exist doesn't just mean that they're hating on us. Like, that's fine. People can talk shit on me. I don't care. But meanwhile, they're harming animals and they're they justifying to themselves harming animals. So I understand. But that being the case, I still don't think that like for me, like I still don't judge them. I still don't hate them. And here's why. I believe that we get back what we give. Yes, exactly. And in my mind, I'm like, how can I ever expect them right. to love animals, to listen to animals, to look at it from the animal's point of view, right. to have empathy for the animals, if I don't listen to them and I'm not loving towards them? But what about the ones that say they love animals? What about the ones that say they love animals but are, I mean, this is just because I have some of these people that, you know, make claims against us. I mean, one of the claims is your husband wasn't really a rancher. Your husband wasn't a rancher. He was a hobby farmer. You know, he worked for Dow Chemical. Mm. Yeah, he worked for Dow Chemical. You know, my husband worked for Dow Chemical almost 40 years, retired from there. But he bought this ranch as a retirement investment. His family was in ranching since the 1890s. 
you know, and so he picked up the baton of his ancestors, and he did what they did, and so he worked sun up to sundown, whether it be a Dow, he went to work at 6.30 in the morning, got off at 3.30, and he was here until sundown, working, I mean, did everything he could, so to call him a hard hobby farmer, I mean, that's another thing, it's like, what? So, you know, and, some, and, and, and the woman that does this a lot, mm -hmm. the woman that I'm talking about, I mean, she claims to be, you know, a lover of animals and vegan. Right. And, yeah. And, and I mean, because I think what that is, and it, it's interesting because for me, w whatever people say, like, I, I still choose. This is very interesting because, like I said in the last episode, I always believe that you choose who you get to be. So I choose to love and be open anyways, regardless. And it's, it's interesting because... The world is just not that black and white. No. And because I, I'm sure you get this a lot, actually. When you talk about how ranchers love their animals and kill them, too, I'm sure you get a lot of comments. Because when I posted videos of you saying that, I got those comments, too, where people are like, that's not true. They just didn't love their animals. Right. And it's like, the world is just not that black and white. It's, no, just, it's, it's, it's just not. And Not at all. And you could, you, could ar you could argue it both ways. Because you could argue that you have to show love through actions and then, like, you know, but but then again, I'm sure that some of the same people because it's the same thing in relationships. But where, it's belief systems, Ryuji. Like we were talking earlier, it's it's the belief system. The, if the belief system is that they grew up with their ancestors having ranches, thousands of acres, seven, eight, nine, ten generations, and they love animals, and they're ranching because they love animals and the land. This is what they. This is a belief system. It's like, you know, if you put a a vinyl record. I saw a vinyl record today at Best Buy, right? And the, the turntable and everything. If you put a vinyl record that's already recorded on a turntable, that vinyl record, 50 years later, as long as it wasn't scratched, is going to play the same thing. And that's the way we are. We're recorded. We're recorded by our tradition, by our ancestors, by everything. And so since we're recorded, we're going we're gonna to believe whatever we've been programmed to believe. It's not that we're wrong. It's that we just don't know. You know, and you, and you, and you don't know what you don't know. But when you know, you can, you can make a different record. You know, you can create a new program when you know. And, and the sky's the limit. You know, I'm so grateful that I choose to really look at the world through the lens of being positive, uh, mm -hmm. to try to be an inspiration for mm -hmm. others, to look for the good in others, even mm -hmm. these supposed haters. You know, I, you know, my husband has a real, a real harder time with them than I do. And I'm always saying, I don't want to look at that stuff. You know, he'll like get into it. Did you know this? Did you know that? I'm like, Tommy, I don't, I mean, I got this to do. You know, I got, I got X, Y, Z to do. And, you know, and I, I don't put my mind on that. Yeah. You know, I may do it for a minute because I, I need to address something that I really want to address, mm -hmm. but I don't spend a lot of time on that yeah. stuff. No. Yeah, I mean, because it's like you said, it's exactly what you said. At the end of the day, to put it bluntly is, well, you could spend your time thinking about the quote-unquote haters, or you could spend your time saving animals. Yes. And one thing that, you know, when the volunteers came this morning, we were talking about this. Wasn't that amazing? It was incredible. And I feel like it's so easy to feel like the whole world is against us. And you could argue with that. I actually said at the beginning of the podcast that the whole world is against us. So I understand how you can feel that way. But I think what we have to understand and recognize is that the minority of people who are going to speak up really vocally against us, they're a minority of people. They're just very loud. 
They're very loud. They are. They'll make pages called the Meats Movement and <laughs> you know like Carnist to 98. Like they, they'll be they'll be loud and they'll be in our face. Yeah. But that's not most people. Most people, from my experience, are they just don't know. They're indifferent. Yeah. They're apathetic. Not necessarily in negative ways. Like that that sounds negative. But a, a lot of them is just they don't know. And a lot of them they they just follow the follower. And it's not because they're bad people, because like I said, it's not black and white. A lot of people who eat animals, well, yeah, through their actions, they're contributing to something that's completely unjustifiable. There's no way you could justify it. Right. But it doesn't mean that they themselves are not loving people. I'm sure they love their families. Well, just like that woman today, you know, she really, I mean, she's on the verge of being completely vegan. I mean, she's really close. And she brought her friends here uh, with her that are not vegan at all. And this woman has a really compassionate heart. And... You know, she asked questions that a lot of people ask uh, about, you know, well, you know, what if, you know, people really raise their animals, you know, on, you know, the land and they treat them humanely, ethically, you know, they give them a good life. You know, she said, I think that those people, you know, I mean, I don't have a problem with them killing their animals and eating it. Well, she said that she herself is against yeah, it. Yeah, she herself, she, but she's she doesn't have it? a problem. What I was saying, yeah. what I'm saying, yeah, exactly. But what I'm saying is she herself doesn't think there's a problem with other people doing mm. it. And see, a lot of people are like that. My husband even still, you know, gets into this mentality sometimes because the conditioning is so strong because his great-grandpa had this, this type of ranch, you know, his grandpa. And, you know, he knew and loved his grandpa and his great-grandpa very much. They were very wonderful people, very mm -hmm. respectable. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for Tommy to... Uh, admit that that was wrong. That mm -hmm. that was, that even, you know, that the animals, the way they were raised back then, it's hard for him to say they shouldn't have done that because mm -hmm. he really, really believes so much in his, in his family and his history and his tradition. So, you know, and so what I saw was this woman today, you know, tr you know, really trying and struggling with, with the concept of, of, you know, telling somebody that what they're doing is wrong. You know, I don't have a problem with it today. I don't have a problem, you know, I, there is no way, there is no ranching that's that's good. Not not any of it is good. But if they believe it's good, that's their belief system. And it's up to us to create a new program that they can learn and then teach others. Exactly, because she was saying this morning that, you know, one of the reasons that, at least that's how I heard it, the reason that she was like, you know, because other people, because she was not saying like, I think it's okay. Like that idea didn't come from her. No. It was because when she talked to other people, they're like, oh, but what if they're raised humanely? And she just didn't know how to respond. And so she was just like, maybe I should just be okay with this because maybe people are not going to change. And I don't know if, you know, I can make a difference. And it doesn't seem like, you know, like if I really speak my mind and I really tell them that. I don't even think that animals should be killed even if it was quote-unquote humane, which there is no way to humanely do it. Right. But when people say that, right, if you answer and you're like, you know, if you disagree, people can think you're crazy. Right. And I think that's what she was dealing with, that she had these beliefs that she, she told us. She was like, I don't want to kill any animal. I don't want to kill a chicken, a cow, a pig, a fish. A I don't, I don't I want to kill a spider. Right. I don't want to kill any animal. Which I, I me too, way. I'm the same way. I don't yeah. want to kill anything. I don't want to kill no. anything. And she felt like when she was saying that to the people who were around her, they thought she was crazy. 
And so she was like, maybe I just shouldn't really assert myself or I shouldn't, I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that. And I think what was really interesting is that as we had this whole exchange with her, because obviously at this point, the people that you and you and I are, we're just like, no, like we're, we're just like, yeah. <laughs> like let's yeah, go. It's like, gonna happen. Yes, it's, it's not it's not gonna happen. And um, you know, yeah, because like I said, when the few people who are around you are putting you down or shaming you or judging you, it seems like everyone's that way. Yeah. If on social media that's what you get and that's what you focus well, but, on, it seems yeah, like everyone's that way. Because, but it's not what's true. Gonna, because what's gonna happen is somebody like her, and I've seen it, I've heard it over and over and over. New vegans will get on there all excited, trying to find vegan friends, and the minute they don't do something that's vegan enough, they get slammed. You know, by other people. They get slammed by vegans because they're not vegan enough. You're you know, they're not vegan enough. I mean, you know, maybe she's still, you know, had, you know, some you know, some butter or something that had some milk product in it. And, you know, she talked about it on social media and she gets shamed. A lot of new vegans get shamed, you know, you know, by our community too, because they're not vegan enough. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have to go through our, our process mm -hmm. of becoming the vegan that we, you know, that we are, you know, it's a, it's an evolution. I mean, like for me, you know, I mean, you know, I wish I could say that, you know, my cats were vegan, but my cats aren't vegan. And so I'm not going to sit over here and act like, you know, my cats are vegan. Uh, my dogs are vegan. Yay. You know, V-Dog, shout out. But, you know, my cats, you know, because of Buddha Boo's, um, you know, real bad problems with his urinary tract infection, he's, he works really well. His body does well on that, that food that they give him that's prescribed for urinary tract, and he doesn't get sick, doesn't go in the hospital, doesn't scare me to death, I think he's going to die. So as long as I feed him that food... He lives and thrives. So, am I gonna think of my interests over his? No. But what I don't do anymore is I do not use wet food. That wet cat food, I can't do it. So it's all dry. It's all dry cat food. You know, that's it. But so I thought what I might do. And this is I know I'm talking about cat food, but I, still, it's because I mean the thing is I mean I've I've seen all kind of messages out there on different groups where vegans get hated on because they have cats or have have pets at all even, you know I mean come on I mean you know we've got to give you know we ought to be tolerant. Where's you know tolerance mm -hmm. for people? I think there's a term that I want to coin. And it's a term that Renee and I came up with, not this Renee in the show, Renee, <laughs> anyways. And it's the term veganesia, which is amnesia that vegans get once they go vegan and they forget that they once weren't vegan. Yeah. And I see this all the time because speaking about adversity, I think it's interesting because we are quick. See, people think sometimes that vegans were quote unquote preachy, we're on, a, on our high horse. And we think we're better than other people and so on and so forth. And, you know, I don't think that that's what veganism is about. Veganism is not about being better than everyone. In fact, it's about let's all be equal. Let's all be the same. Exactly. Not just human beings, but all animals. That's what it's about. But that being the case, vegans can think that they are better than other people. It's very easy for them to think that and to forget what it was like before. And so I think it's important for us to be mindful of this because like I said, I believe that what we give, that's what we get back. Yeah. And so to me, I, I see this all the time, especially on social media, where 
I see many people post things about veganism. In fact, I see many big pages around veganism posting a lot of content that is very condescending, that is judgmental, yeah. that is like, you, like you're a bad person for eating meat and like, not, yeah. not saying that that's true or not true, you could argue it both ways, right. but the vibe of it the is vibe. you're a bad yeah, person. It's really and bad. I think it works really well because people naturally gravitate towards they that. Gravitate. Unfortunately, in our society, that's part of the problem probably that people gravitate towards negativity. It's very easy. In news, they have this expression that says, what bleeds leads. Yeah. That's why they cover horrible things. Like you don't have the greatest news in the world floating around the news. You yeah. always have like this this accident and exactly. this this crime thing. You know, like it's just it's just negative. And Jane Velez Mitchell talks about that. Yeah, because that, that's what she did for yeah. for a long time. And so I feel like it's easy for people to gravitate towards that. And I think it's important for us to recognize that a lot of the things that people say to us, a lot of the ways that people are towards us, we are the same way towards them. Yeah, exactly. And we have to recognize that. We have to see it. And we, we and change and, it. And change it. At least that's that's my opinion. That's what I've been like, doing with these folks. You know, I understand that it's not again like nothing in life is black and white. So for example, Anita Kreins, the founder of the Save Movement, who's instrumental in our movement, right? She was she says herself that she was shamed into being vegan. Jane Velez Mitchell is actually the same way. Yeah. She's like she was like, I was shamed into being vegan. So yeah, perhaps there is a place for shaming in our movement. I don't believe that it should be the guiding force behind her movements because when I was talking to Anita, she has studied many social movements and many people have changed the world. And she said that as a general rule, their movements have been overall love-based. Yeah. So I'm going to take from that. And also that's why that's what I gravitate towards because I choose it. And also because I think it's healthier for me. So I'm not going to spend any time shaming someone or judging someone or hating someone. Yeah, I agree. And you know, when we ingest um, anything, our food, um, you know, what we eat, you know, we become, you know, whatever, that's kind of a common knowledge, you know, you know, what you, whatever you eat, you become, you know, you are what you eat, right? And that's the reason, you know, I think it's going, when we go vegan, we have, we develop a more compassionate, you know, hopefully nature. Also, the thoughts we consume mm -hmm. is what we become. Yes. You know, the people we hang out with, yeah. we become. Mm -hmm. And so we got to be careful who we're hanging out with, who we're listening to. Uh, you know, because like attracts like. Uh, I had somebody tell me one time, water seeks its own level. And I didn't, it's like, what? But, you know, when you see when water is rising, it seeks its own level. It's not going to, I mean, if there's, if there's you know, a, a river flowing and it's really, really gushing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to flow to the level wherever it is. So if there's a big river coming and there's a level down here, it's going to come, it's going to meet it. And then it's going to, everything's going to rise. Water meets its own level. So wherever we, what we are is where it was, what we're going to attract. So, you know, when people, when people want to, uh, you know, do all this hate stuff and say all this horrible stuff and they gravitate to that, you know, because there's people that really need to be in that type of mixing it up, you know, dark stuff. I mean, there's people that, that thrive on the dark stuff. And so people that are leading this hate movement, you know, to, with vegans, people that are leading that are stirring this all up, you know, and just keeping people all, you know, because there's some, there's some really good people that have actually fallen for some of their stuff. Some people that have really, they used to, uh, you know, even donate to our sanctuary. 
and they have fallen for, for their line of BS. It's kind of like a tabloid. You know, if you're at a grocery store and you see a tabloid at the newsstand or right there by you, you know, there's all kind of stories in that tabloid. People, you know, that want to believe the gossip, people that want to believe the dirt, you know, will pick up that tabloid again and again and again. I could never read those tabloids. Same. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, one of my mentors used to say that we, are, we, get, we, can, we can very easily get addicted to things. Yeah. So people who are addicted to negativity are just going to be addicted to that. Yeah. People who are addicted to positivity are going to be addicted to that. Yeah. To put some tangible context into the, this conversation, you know, well, first, to illustrate that, I want to ask you, have you ever noticed that there are some people that whatever situation that they're in, they're always going to find something negative about it. Yep. They could be on the best vacation in Hawaii at the beach, yep. the, the ocean's blue, but it's like too cold. Yep. Or like, I, I can't even like mimic it because I can't even put myself ah. in, that, in that state of mind at, at this point. But they'll always find something wrong. On the other hand, there are people who anything could happen to them and they still find a way to make it positive, yep. to laugh about it. Like, it's like, like my car got wrecked. And I was laughing about it. I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> Cause like, it's like, what else, what else am I going to do about it? What an it's experience. like, it's like when I do the dishes, I choose to enjoy to do the dishes cause it's part of my life. Yeah. I'm like, this is time on, in my life that I'm not going to get back. I might as well just enjoy it. And I just choose to always focus on that. So in our context, in the context of our movement, I think we can focus on and cause I, I see this a lot. I could put out the most positive message on social media, something like uplifting, inspiring, being like positivity. And then people will comment and be like, too bad there are so many people who are never going to change. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's like whatever I throw at them, that's all they can that's see. That's all I can see. They, like all they focus on is things like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can fully put myself in that state of mind, but it's things like the world is never going to change. People are not listening to us. People are, are hateful. People are heartless. Mm -hmm. People are stupid. People are uneducated. People lack this. They lack that. And that's all they can focus on. Yep. But me, for example, all I ever focus on is this is awesome. People are open. Well, I tell you what, yeah. I know. People are loving. This is you've stayed in our house the last few days. You've been on my couch. Mm -hmm. You know, I have eight dogs, you know, and dogs and cats everywhere. And Ryuji here has been on my couch, you know, uh, and I know. I know it smells like dog in there, you know? And you know, my mother, she would never sleep on that mm. couch. She would be complaining about it till the cows come home, pardon the pun. But you know, you've never, you got, you have not complained much. No, like I, I just, I have a policy against complaining. Like I just don't complain. Like I never complain. Yeah. I like, and I, I first did this consciously. Now I do it unconsciously because what's Good. interesting is that, see, I didn't even think about this until this point in the conversation because what I found is that talking about something and implementing it in your life are two very different things. Yes. And the gap between the two is huge. For example, oh, yeah. we're talking about all this being positive, focusing on the positive, not focusing on the haters, laughing it off, moving forward, deleting it from your mind, things like that. Those are very easy things to say, but to actually implement it becomes yes. hard. But what I've noticed is that you'll know when you've implemented it, cause you won't even be thinking about it. Like at this point, I don't even think about not complaining. It's just not in me to complain. Exactly. Like it's not in me to gossip. It's not in me to talk shit on people. It's just it's just not in me. I'm just. I don't. Thank God. You know, most more people out there. This is really the crux of the matter with the people that focus on other people's lives and hate, call them bad names, and 
try to make other people think they're horrible people. Uh, I, I, I mean, God, if I had to live my life doing that to other people, I would be a sad, sick human Exactly. Being. I would be yeah. really sad and be sick. And so I have to know that these people that feel like they need to do that, you know, they have to be really, really sick in some way, somewhere. There's, there's, a, there's an illness, something. Because to gravitate to that over and over and over and over, it just, uh, it just doesn't make sense to me, you know, because I'm, I'm like you, you know, I find that the complaining, the more I complain, the, the worse I feel. If I'm yeah. complaining, yes. if I'm yeah. angry, uh -huh. if I'm mad, that, you know, that anger is affecting me more than it is anybody else. Wayne Dyer, one of my uh, one of my guys that I listened to and have for a long time, he used to say, "When you squeeze an orange, what comes out is what's inside." And so, when you squeeze another human being, when another human being is just like being pushed, getting pressure, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it didn't matter the pressure. I mean, we've been through two floods. You know, uh, you know, I've, I've had to I've had to you know measure up and, and, and you know and really get through that without cratering. Uh, you know, when you squeeze a person, what comes out is what's inside. You know, is your is your char good character going to come out, mm -hmm. or, or are you going to fall apart? Mm -hmm. Are you going to go crazy? You know, are you going to just like just go mad and just you know be you know hating on the world? Um, you know, we need to develop our character. It's real important. I think it's really important too, especially in our movements. I believe it's so important for us to be constantly expanding and. You know, because one of the reasons I think it's important, and it's, it's interesting because I, I, I think more and more like this, because to me, like, just saving animals is so important mm -hmm. that everything I do, I do it for the animals. That's how I think. Exactly. And I think to myself, what's going to help the animals more? If I'm positive and happy, outgoing, visionary, looking forward, being optimistic, or pessimistic yeah. and frustrated and angry. And to me, I really believe that. If I'm not thriving, I can't help the animals. Right. I think it's, I've had to come to terms with this because I think it's easy for us as vegans to feel guilty for being happy when all this is happening. Yeah. And I've been there. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I've been there. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because the reality is so heartbreaking that sometimes I think to myself, how do I deserve to wake up in a bed? Right. How is this happening? Like, why? Why was I born a human being? The odds of us being born human beings is so low. It's so much more likely to be born a chicken in a factory farm. So much more likely than to be born a human being. And so I think to myself, why was I born a human being? How do I deserve this? Like, this is just not fair. I can't believe that I, I, like, I get to have to eat breakfast and to have fun and hang out with my friends while this is going on. So I used to yeah. feel really guilty about that. Yeah. yeah. But what I found is that feeling guilty doesn't for my serve. own happiness doesn't serve, doesn't serve the animals. Mm -hmm. Because it's not because we feel happy that we don't love animals. I don't think so. No. I think it's the exact opposite, actually. Right. I think that if we really love animals and we really claim to want to save them, then we should do everything we can to be the happiest person that we can be. Yeah, exactly. Well, great point. It's so easy to get down in our movements. I, yes. I get it. And I've been there. Be like when you really dive into the reality, it's so heartbreaking. And I have people who, who tell me this where they're like, like, I, like I, don't, I don't know what to do because, you know, like I just, 
I've looked into the reality. It's so horrible. And I just like, I just feel overwhelmed. I feel like things are not going to change. And it's interesting because one of the things I want to start talking about is strength as a vegan or a vegan activist, because people compliment me that they're like, you're such a strong voice for the yeah. animals, quote unquote. And they're like, I can't, I can't be as strong. I just break down. Yeah. They're I like, they're like I, I wish I could be as strong as you yeah. and bear witness to the slaughterhouse, but I couldn't because I break down. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't get it. Yeah. I break down at the slaughterhouse. Yeah. Hello. I break down at the slaughterhouse. That like strength is not seeing the horrible reality right. and remains remaining stoic. That's like, that right. would be something like apathy or being disconnected to some degree, because if we really connect to the reality, it would break our hearts because it is heartbreaking. Yeah. And to me, that feeling that we feel really heartbroken one, it shows how much we care. Like, if you feel so heartbroken by the reality that you feel overwhelmed, that just shows how much you care. But that is not weakness in any way, shape, or form. No. What I do is I always let myself feel everything. If I cry, I cry. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many, like, I'll just cry it out. Like, I just right. cry, I cry a lot. Get it out. Like, I, I cry yes. a lot. And it's not a weakness. Like, that's what gives me my strength. That's exactly. what allows me to, like, because that, that's how feelings work. If you suppress feelings, then they're, they're going to come up somewhere. It's, it's, it's not going to be good. You know what's interesting is I was um, talking to Sean Munson, um, you know, about Dominion mm-hmm. in the film. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was, you know, I watched it at the animal rights conference with him there. And, you know, he was, he stayed with us and uh, processed with us. And um, that question came up for him. For him, you know, how do you... How do you do it? How do you do this? Yeah. Uh, you know, day in, day out, you know, filming Dominion. How did mm-hmm. you do this? And, you know, what he said was, was very interesting. It, It's like in Joaquin Phoenix, too. You know, they both said, you know, there was like they... They, they, they become the observer, not... You know, not the not the person, I guess. The observer. It's kind of like they become the camera. You know, the camera is there to document. Like when they're doing that kind of work. They are. And then they do their own processing, you know, way after that. But while they're there, you know, they've got a job to do for the animals. And we have a job to do for the animals. And I, I watched Dominion and I did not break down. Until the cow scenes, the cows, because of course I, I had my own in turmoil, my own inner guilt for all of the lives I contributed to slaughtering here at the sanctuary. So, you know, I can I can really go there real quick if I'm not careful. I have to remember that um, it doesn't serve the animals for me to feel all that shame and guilt about what I contributed to for those years that I was here with my t- husband and did nothing. But there was a woman, Linda Middlesworth, B dog, was on the right, holding my hand. There was another woman holding my hand over here, squeezing me, crying on both sides of me. They were just, they were just out of control. And I'm the whole time just watching, just observing. I'm watching, I'm observing until it got to the calcine. So, you know, I learned, I learned a lot from that conversation because it's not that they don't feel it. But they're there to observe, to document, to make sure they're getting the right angles, to make sure they're getting the right relationship to whatever it is they're documenting. And so, oh, uh, wow. An amazing, it was an amazing uh, Yeah, what exchange. I think is key with what you said is 
It's not that they don't feel it. It's not. It's not that we don't feel it. In fact, the reason that we're such a strong voice and that we speak out so passionately is probably because we feel it so much. Yeah. Like, we feel it so much that, like, we're like, we gotta I've do gotta something. I've gotta do something. We gotta do something about that's it. That's why we're doing this. That, yeah, and that's, that's you know, and, and so what I think the distinction is for me is that I, is that I feel it, but that's not where I come from. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important that, to, to make that distinction. Because, yeah, when I'm making videos, when I'm speaking out, when I'm talking about this, I don't come from that place of either sadness, frustration, anger, whatever it is. Even though, like, I don't feel this feeling. It's funny, I want to talk about that in a second. But I still feel those emotions, but I choose to come from another place. Yes. One thing that I want to touch on that I think is very important, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, coming back to a topic we talked about earlier having people directly hate on us or shame us or say whatever it is, like all those excuses, things like, oh, but bacon, oh, but plants feel pain, or like whatever it is that people say. People tell me, <laughs> you are so patient. And it's interesting because I've thought about this over and over. And I'm like, I don't think I'm patient. Because patience implies that I feel like the anger, the frustration, but I'm still being patient with that person. When people throw these comments at me, I don't feel it. I don't get triggered. Right. I just don't. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused because I see people who get so easily triggered by right. that and then they go react. Yeah. First of all, if you feel triggered, I feel like you have to recognize that you're being triggered. That's the first step. Recognize it. Feel it, but then again, like I said earlier, don't come from that place when you're responding. Right. I think that's very important. But for me, committing to my journey of personal growth, when people say things like that, it just doesn't trigger me. And I think it's important for us to realize that, you know, because people could, could hear this and be like, wow, that's crazy. Like, this is so far from where I am. But it's, it's, like, it's like a journey. Exactly. I learned how to be this way. I committed to being this way. And the first step for me was realizing that you know, at the end of the day, I have control over me. No one is going to dictate how I'm feeling. That's right. No outside circumstances gets to dictate how I feel. I get to dictate that. Nobody can make you react. I, exactly. So I get to choose. And from that place of having committed to that journey and, you know, having done a ton of work on myself, now I'm in a place where, yeah, like people see these things. And the reason I remain calm is not because I'm patient. It's just because... It just doesn't trigger me. Yeah, well, it's the right thing to do, so I am effective. You know, the right thing for me to do is to choose my reaction. If I just go off, then how does that serve me or the animals? How does mm. it serve anyone if I'm just going off and reacting? You know, if I'm just a, a walking reaction? Yeah. You know, uh, it best serves me to pause, you know, when agitated or doubtful. Mm. Uh, to really pause. Uh, just get quiet and go to that place between my thoughts where... You know, the truth is. The truth is not in my thoughts. Typically, it's in between them. And when I can get quiet enough to be between the, you know, the chatter that's going on when I'm thinking something, you know, um, a lot of times the, well, it will almost every time, the truth will surface. And that's how I've dealt a lot with the, the antagonist. That's a good word. How's that? Uh, is I've meditated. You know, I've put them in my meditative mantras, I've chanted, I've 
I get really quiet. I go to meditation retreats. In fact, I was just sitting here thinking, listening to you uh, about Lisa Levinson. You know Lisa. I don't think so. She's got, uh, she's, well, she's with In Defense of Animals, but she's got a spirituality mm -hmm. retreat mm -hmm. that she does. Mm. And she's a very, very sweet, sweet soul. And uh, I think their next one's in Hawaii, you know, and it's going to, it's all about re recharging yourself, right? I mean, I think as vegans, as animal rights activists, those of us that are always on the front lines, you know, for the animals, it's so important to recharge, to find that place inside of us, whether it's spirit, whether it's drumming, whether it's, you know, hiking in the mountains, whether it's hanging out with cows, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, we got to find that place inside of us that connects us to who we really are not who we think we are, mm -hmm. uh, not who others have defined us to be. Mm -hmm. You know, just because somebody says something about me doesn't mean it's true. And see, this is the, this is, this, somebody told me that, and I had to go, wow, you know, I don't have to believe that bullshit. Just because they do, you know, just because they want to create a story don't mean it's my story. You know, what is your story? What's your story? It, write your story. You know, we're doing that. We're writing our story, and we have to do it for the animals. Our our story has to have the impact so that these animals' lives mean something. So that generations down the road, our stories will be read by your kids. And so, well, gosh, you know, thank God I have this story to read. Thank God I have this reality to read. Instead of the ones that were killing our planet left and right, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You and I, it's interesting because I feel like we're both very visionary. We're both very forward looking. And here's the thing too about, you know, I thought it was interesting what you said about those people who are sometimes antagonists who are a lot of times just anonymous people. It's so interesting looking at comments on social media <laughs> and seeing how earlier said like, you know, when the orange gets squeezed, you see who someone really is. And I feel like it's not a perfect analogy. It's actually not an analogy. But on social media, it's interesting, too, because I feel like people's real nature also comes out. Not because they're squeezed, but because they're no, no one's guarding them. Right. Like, there's no, there are no repercussions. No. It, if you're in the streets and you say something really horrible, you face some serious repercussions. Right. But because on social media, you... You don't face anything. You could say the most horrible thing. You can. You could call someone the worst names and tell them to go kill themselves. And they do. And they do. And nothing's going to happen to them. Yeah. So I feel like their, their true nature comes out. But to come back to the point, a lot of times they're anonymous. Or they're not anonymous, but we don't know them. And fake also, profiles. I've, yeah. I've noticed that they're fake profiles. Or they're profiles that if you go on their profile... Like, it's, it never ceases to surprise me because most of them, you look at what they post, they post, like, memes that are just very, it's, it's a very cynical view of life. Yeah. Very cynical, pessimistic, negative view of life. And the two questions that I ask myself and I invite everyone to ask themselves is, if you are letting yourself get affected by a negative comment by someone who is just going to gravitate towards negativity anyways, how do you expect to create a world of peace. How do you expect to go save animals if that's just gonna bring you down? We're gonna face a much tougher things. 
Oh yeah. Like trust me, much, much, oh, yeah. much, much tougher things are coming for us in this Thank movement. You. It is. You know, so I think it's important to put that um, in, into perspective and realize that at the end of the day, this is just some random comment from some random person. And the other thing is, do you really think that those are, those are the people who are going to dictate the direction in which the world goes? No. They are the people who are going to be historically irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, like, people who are out there doing things. <laughs> historically irrelevant. Like, doing anything. I love it. Like, you know, whether it be positive or like, whatever. People who are out there doing things, they don't have the time to go do that. They don't have the time to say random, stupid, judgmental, hatey things to other people. They just don't have the time to do it's that. It's like, what for? And so those are the people who are just, they're just going to be historically irrelevant. They're not going to matter in the end. You know, we were talking about earlier when the volunteers came about how it feels like it's so hard to change the world because we can't change everyone. But what social movements have shown in the past is that we don't have to change everyone for the system to change. Right. And Malcolm Gladwell has written about this in the book, The Tipping Point, from my understanding, but I know it from a TED talk about the 3.5% rule where this sociologist studied different social movements and found that when 3.5% of the population mobilizes, that creates exponential change in the community. I'm paraphrasing. But that being the case, we don't have to get to everyone. If 3.5% of the population mobilizes, if a certain percentage, I don't know if it's like exactly 3.5, but that's not the point. But the point is, there will be a point when we'll reach a tipping point and when not eating animals, where being vegan will become normalized. Right. And when that happens, then it'll be so easy for so many people to follow along. Right. Because I've certainly noticed that there are many people who agree that we should probably be vegan. They're like, you know, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. But a huge part of why they just don't go vegan is because they're just too much of a follower. Yeah, exactly. And they just don't, and, and perhaps they're not a follower in other areas of their life. Maybe, I, I don't know. Like it's, nothing is black and white. But in this area, they're just like, you know, but like there's so little people endorsing it. I feel like people around me are going to think I'm weird and crazy, so I'm just not going to go there. But it's not that they don't want to do it. It's not that they don't agree with it. It's just that for some reason, for them, it's not socially normalized enough. But... I mean, I'm sure that if there's so many people who are start started going vegan, at some point it's just going to be normalized. You well, that's why that's why people like us that, that get in front. You know, I mean, I'm I've always been the type of person you are too. We, you know, I get in front of things, and you know, if I see something visionary, uh, I go for it, and people follow. They just do, and you know, and so of course we're going to make mistakes. But the the problem with being a leader is that everybody is watching you. And so, of course, you're going to have haters or antagonists. I mean, because there's some of these people that are really, you know, like really messing with us. I mean, my husband stalks some of their profiles, you know, and, you know, they're out there doing videos, you know, of fairs, you know, where they're selling barbecue and stuff. They're not really vegan. They're just, it's, it's for, for real. This is so crazy because I've never gotten adversity from like fake vegans. So this is really interesting to me. I'm like... <laughs> This is crazy. <laughs> like, this is just For insane. real. For real. They're at, like, uh, you know, those, uh, you know, those little fairs or something, those craft shows out there with the video, video and this, that, and the other, and showing little bunnies in a cage and, you know, barbecue sandwiches for sale. And this very person is 
talking crap about us. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Not directly related to that, but I remember because there are people, I don't know if you had those two where they're just clearing off. They're, they, they're like, they call themselves like carnists and stuff like that because yeah. they're like, oh, we eat animal products and like things like that. And it's interesting because they'll, they'll post things like, like, like it's, it's so weird because at the same time, they'll come onto our things and be like, you shouldn't be spreading this to the world. Like, and then on their own profiles, they'll be saying things like, hey, like, what's up, vegans? Look at this steak I'm eating. A cow had to die for this. Oh, I know. And, 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 they'll, try, and they'll try to, like, provoke us that way. Yeah, I which, know. which is very interesting because you can always feel where people are coming from. And in my mind, if people are trying to provoke me, it's very easy for me to see that. Yeah. But I realized also that the way that I win is I just forget about it. If I react any sort of way, I lost. Yes, exactly. Not, not, not that I look at it as a competitive thing, but it's like, it's not about how I'm going to respond. It's not about what I'm going to say. It's about, okay, let's, let's move on. And to the point, I can't even think of any one of these comments right now as right. I'm sitting here, even though I've gotten some today. But <laughs> <laughs> to go back to like the, the people who, who say like, you know, like, oh, like, look, a cow had to die for this. Take this, vegans. What you're doing is not working. It's so interesting because I've seen people spend time trying to figure out how to change those people and being like, how are we going to change them? We're never going to change them. What do I tell them? Oh, we should do this. We should do that about them. But the thing is, see, and, and this is like, we've talked about this, but I just want to put some concrete examples to illustrate the points. Those are the people who are historically irrelevant. They don't matter. I'm like, I'm like, this person does not even matter. You like, they don't cross my mind for one second in my life. And I'm like, you know what? Like I, and at some point I went through this phase where I would say like, you know, that's cool. I'll see you at the finish line. Because I know that the, like, it's like, well, I'm sorry whether or not you eat steak and you tell me that a cow had to die for this, the world is still going to be vegan in the end, so I don't really care. Like, you know? I it, love it. it it's I love like, it's historically irrelevant. I love it. Yeah, but it's, it's like, it's so true. I'm it like, is. and I, I believe this so strongly. I'm like, y'all believe it out there. It's historically irrelevant. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? Like, what we're doing, that's going to be historically relevant. Exactly. And For real. What I realized too is that, look, every single day in the world, there are people going vegan. It's yes. happening. Yeah. And as long as that keeps happening every day, at some point, the world is going to be vegan. Like, there, there's no point at which all of a sudden there are some people who are not going to be going vegan. Like, we're not, I don't, I don't, we're not going to reach a cap. Actually, we're probably going to reach that tipping point. But... You know, I'm like, look, like, as long as there are more people joining our movement every single day, then our movement is going to win. Well, with movements like Vegan World 2026, I mean, you know, uh, Dr. Salash Rao, if you don't know him, uh, his website is climatehealers.org. The executive producer of What the Health and Cowspiracy and recently... Uh, A Prayer for Compassion. Prayer for Compassion. Wonderful, beautiful, brilliant documentary. Uh, you know, when you have a, a guy like this, that used to be involved with the internet. I mean, he was one of the main folks that helped build the internet, I, I understand. So, you know, he's got a movement he started called Vegan World 2026. And, you know, it's so important. You know, when I first heard that, I was like, wow, I, it's eight years. You know, I'm 60 years old, 68. I can do this. I can, for eight years, I can put the pedal to the metal and I can do everything in my personal power to affect and influence the people around me 
so that we can get to a vegan world by 2026. Instead of being one of those that say, well, I don't think I, we ain't gonna be vegan by world. There's no, not gonna be a vegan world by 2026. You know, wow. What if we all believed that we could go vegan by 2026, the world? Look at what we could change. If we spend our time thinking about what we can't do, you know, that it's never gonna happen, or 20 years, maybe, or 50 years, or 100 years, you know, no, we don't have that long. You know, with species extinction being, you know, rampant right now, eight years is what Dr. Salesh Rao says is the tipping point for the animals. You know, if we continue along this trajectory, we are not going to have wild animal vertebrates on our planet. They're going to be in zoos only. I don't want that world. I don't want to see that world for y'all out there, you know. I want, to, I want to leave a legacy, my legacy to be that it mattered. That it mattered to me, the world I leave behind. It matters to me. I want something that I can leave your generation. You know, gosh. You know, but this Vegan World 2026, Dr. Sal uh, we went out, we went to Phoenix a few weeks ago, and it was unbelievable the way that he put us all to work on these task forces, the way that we were solving the problems of the world, and, you know, the way that we, we established these panels. We got up uh, and, and talked about the solutions, the problems, uh, people asked questions, and, you know, I didn't notice a bunch of negativity there. Everybody was working together to solve the problems of the world as it is and to create solutions for a vegan world by 2026. You know, and it's going to be out here in Jerusalem next. And Dr. Salesh Rao is not, you know, not, not, not putting this down. Every three or four months, we're going to be meeting in some other part of the world to do whatever we have to as a community to get together and get this world vegan. Yeah, and all this to me is all about choice. Yeah. I think it's, for me, one of the major, major things that has supported me in my life is realizing that I can choose. Yes. Whatever it is, I can choose. For example, the vegan world by 2026, I can choose to believe that. Yeah. And not just believe, because you can just believe that it's going to happen, that that's not going to do anything. For me, I choose to make that my vision. Yes. And I choose to make that happen. That's my commitment. Doesn't mean that objectively it's 100%. Right. No. But doesn't mean that that's what I choose, that's what I'm committed to. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing with you know choosing to, instead of focusing on all the problems, focus on solutions. I love that about what you're saying, what we just said. Because, yeah, like at that conference, we chose to focus on solutions. Yeah. So everything is a question of choice. And all these issues dealing with adversity, whether it be haters, whether it be the people around you, whether it be just feeling overwhelmed we can choose otherwise we can choose to not focus on the haters and to focus on something else we like for example for me instead of focusing on the haters i focus on all the people who are changing right i'm like i'm like this is awesome and i noticed too that i don't know if this is human nature i don't know what it is but i've noticed that it's so easy to gravitate towards the, the negative even though i choose otherwise because for example i know i've had it and like, it's interesting, I don't have this anymore because I realized it and I stopped it. But when I first started building Peace by Vegan, I would get like 50 positive comments and one negative comment. And all I would think about is that one right, negative right, comment. Right, right. And I thought to myself, why am I choosing this? Why am I choosing? And I might be even having a great day. You know, my friend, we were in Japan together as, as Cove monitors for the Dolphin Project. And she told me, she was like, 
this is the best week of my life. It was the best week of her life. And then one, one of the days of that best week of her life, she had an anonymous comment on her Facebook from someone saying, I can't even remember <laughs> to the point, I don't even remember what th that comment said at all. But she was like, you know, it's, it's really bringing me down. Like I've been thinking about it for the whole day. And I'm like, that's insane. You just said that this is the best week of your life and you're gonna let one anonymous comment dictate how you're feeling. So for me, I'm yeah. like, we have to stop choosing that. No, we can't. We have to stop choosing that and choose to focus on the positive. Look, if you, if you know where to look, you can see the change happening because change is happening. Like I have people who hit me up all the time saying they're new vegans. I'm like, this is so cool. Yes. And yes. when I see that, I'm like, this is happening. And that's what I yeah, choose to focus on. You know, on. it's interesting, you know, because some people, they, they don't know how to choose to focus on the good. They don't know how. They're so conditioned to focus on the negative. It's a conditioning, right? It's, uh, and I'm, I'm like you. I, I conditioned myself early on, you know, but I think uh, you had me thinking about this the other day because some of the things I think I'm just born gifted with, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you said something that really made me think, mm -hmm. and that is, you know, I think I, I, I taught myself this, you know, early on. You know, I, I uh, because of the way I grew up, I grew up in a, in a home that was negative. It was a violent home. My dad was, you know, an alcoholic, and he was, uh, he was violent when he was drunk. And so I was always having to be the one to take care of mom. And, you know, this uh, negativity prevailed. It was everywhere. And my mother was always a mess. And my dad was always screaming. And my mama was always scared. And, and so I became, the, you know, the savior, so to speak, of my mom. And um, it taught me so much. Because as I grew up, you know, the relationships that I had with my mom and dad... When they divorced, I was 10. I was 10 years old when they divorced, and it was a very, very traumatic divorce, uh, extremely. And, you know, I got very bitter as a 10-year-old. I was, I was angry. I was mad. Uh, you know, I had a lot of hate inside of me for my own family, my own, brother, my own uh, dad, and uh, because of what he had done to my mom. And so, you know, all this hatred filled me of my own father. Uh, and then I was also mad at my mother because she was weak, you know, and so I perceived all this in, in very, you know, I was a child, 10 years old, you know, I'm perceiving this and through that lens. And so it's been very interesting because I've been processing this since you, since you said this, you know, thinking that I'm gifted with this, you know, but what's happened is I learned the skill mm -hmm. because of what happened to me as a child. I didn't choose to go down the road where I could have ended up no telling where, you know, maybe dead by now, committing suicide or whatever. I didn't choose the road that took me down. Whenever it mattered, I started choosing, I want to know how to recreate my thoughts. I've got to change the way I'm thinking here. You know, I stumbled upon a book called um, Handbook to Higher Consciousness by an author named Kenneth Keyes. How do I remember that? That was when I was barely you know, 19 or 20. Handbook to Higher Consciousness, Kenneth Keyes. I'll never forget when I read that book for the first time I knew that I could change my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And what I did is I read the book first and then I recorded myself reading it. It's, it's interesting because, you know, you said you learned this through your past experiences. 
But for me, I learned it very, very consciously. I know exactly how I learned to get to the points that I am today and I'm still growing and I'm still learning. One thing that I think is so fascinating is that I found, personally, this is my experience, most people that I've met that quote unquote operate at a high level who are doing things, because when I first met you and I learned about what you were doing, I was like, that's incredible, Like that, that's awesome what you're doing. And then I met you and the more I spent time with you, I was like, whoa, Renee is really incredible. Oh. And I thought to myself, because it's, it's interesting because I think this when I meet people like that. I think, you know, wow, this person is so awesome. I feel like I'm getting there, but like, I like put in all this work. But what I found is that when you meet people like that, typically they've put in the work. Typically, it's like, because even as you said, like we were talking the other day, how, you know, like, yeah, perhaps you were, you, you might have been gifted or you can phrase it any which way you want. But even so, you spend time studying with people. You spend time reading books, working on yourself, meditating, things that I've done as well. Okay. I've, I've been very conscious. One of the first things that I did, which is t to me, really one, one major key to how I reprogram myself, as you say, from being negative to positive is being super conscious of everything that's around me yes. because it's really everything. And I was super conscious of who I'm listening to, what kind of books I'm reading. I started reading books about personal development. Um, I started reading books about health, like just trying to understand like Eastern philosophy, mindfulness. Yeah. I put myself around the type of people that were like that. I put myself around positive people. Even now with the internet is crazy because see, I don't really know, but there was maybe a time when you would tell yourself, Hey, I want to put myself around positive people is very difficult. But now it's like, you can hang out with people, people in person, but if you don't have access to that, and that's what I did, you can hang out with people on the internet. Yes. I used to watch hours of videos from people who were positive, people yes. who were very successful, people who achieved a lot of things. And I consciously put myself around that because actually someone who was making a video said, you know, if you can't hang out with people who are positive in real life, just hang out with people online and just yeah. watch videos. Yeah. And, and then that's what I did. Yeah. And for a lot, for years, I would spend a lot of my, this is my free time and my hobby basically. It's, I would go on the internet and I would watch talks or vlogs from people who are positive to put myself around that. So I'm constantly, constantly around that. And that's a huge part of how I reprogram myself to where I am today. But yeah, I mean, that's, What's well, you know, it's, but see, what's interesting is I'm going back because I'm, you know, I'm, I'll be 61. You're 22. Two. You know, it's crazy because, you know, the, the exchange we have is, it, it's timeless. It doesn't matter about age. It's timeless. But I can remember at your age that this is when I started picking up these skills. It was probably between 19 and 22 that I really started picking up these skills. And it was on purpose. It was on purpose. But you really got me thinking about it because... You know, not only was you know handbook to higher consciousness, Kenneth Keys, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, which, you know, I have listened to his I have listened to his DVDs, his podcast over and over and over and over. I mean, I just listen to them over and over until I can so I can, you know, like basically quote some of the things. So it becomes the way I process my life now. Mm -hmm. It's so important, yeah. you know, to have a different way to react and to respond, you know. Well, actually, instead of reacting, how about responding? You know, why do I even need to react? Why not? I, why can't I just uh, learn to respond and 
that was a big, big deal for me, to, you know, learning to respond. Yeah, and like you said, like everything that we put into us, whether it be physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever it is, to me, what I found is that it's either going to pull us higher or it's going to bring us down. Yeah. And I think at some point, like, because for me, I'm like, okay, I just choose that if something's going to like bring me down in a negative way that's unnecessary, I just cut it out. Yeah. And if something is pulling me up, then I'm going to gravitate towards that. I'm going to do more of that. I'm going to consume more of that. I'm going to read more of that, like, like whatever it is. And I think it's the same thing coming back to like the topic of adversity and antagonists and people saying comments and things like that, like that, like focusing on that in any way, shape or form is bringing us down. Yeah. And so I don't know, because again, I thought about this a lot. And I've thought about how, you know, I feel like in our movement is different because there are victims involved. And yes, it's, it's different, but also it's not. Because I think that there are certain, I don't, I don't know if I want to call them like universal laws or, you know, like whatever, it doesn't matter. But you, you get the point, like yeah, sure. universal laws type thing. Like, Absolutely. I've seen that every single person or at least like the majority of people that I've seen succeed in similar ways to what I want to succeed. Because for me, I always looked at people who I wanted to be like, and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be like you. And I put myself around them, whether it be on the internet, reading their books or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And what I found is that the people that I want to be like, they choose to focus on the positive and they choose to cut out people who are not supporting them. They choose to cut out negative influences. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, we have like in my mind i'm like i have to apply this to this whole vegan thing as well yes it it doesn't change i see the nuance but at the same time i still apply it yeah. because i've seen it work for others i'm like it's gonna work for me and so far it has worked for me um so yeah yeah and so people are so scared of what people think of them you know like when you were talking just now i, I was thinking about when you were talking, it took me back to, you know, I used to have a school. I don't know if I told you, but I had a school for performing artists. You told me, yeah. Yeah, and so that was, uh, I developed this school because, you know, for for many years, I had my own, my own band. I was, you know, performing. And what I found out is when I started singing, I felt good. You know, singing, you know, and getting on stage. You know, it wasn't that I loved the stage. That made me feel so good. When I'd get up there and I could get up there and I could, and other people would feel good. And so in spite of my life, the way that I grew up and the things that I experienced, when I was on that stage, it was a whole nother world. So I was creating another world for myself. And I uh, became very good at performing because I just loved it so much. I loved the way it felt. I loved the way other people felt. And so as I, as I developed through the years, other people wanted to learn to do what I was doing, you know, how I was performing, basically, how I could get up there and it just like, like, you know, just on the stage because we have to, and I look at this in my life, you know, whether it's a stage or your life, we have to own it. We have to, we have to be the main character in our, in our movie, whatever it is, if it's on stage, if it's in our life, we have to know we're the main character, how are we treating that character? You know, and so I developed a, this curriculum called Become the Star You Know You Are. And it was all about being positive because so many people are, 
they don't they're afraid of what other people think of them mm. they're so I mean people talking down to them you know you know so you can relate this to our movement you know if you're always talked down to if you don't know how to get out of your you know your comfort zone to do what you need to do to be effective uh, you just kind of wither up don't do nothing you know stay in your house get on the keyboard and become one of those keyboard warriors and stay negative you know because we don't know what to do we're so afraid to be who we are and so I developed this curriculum and let me tell you when I started watching the people that had really good voices a lot of potential but they could not move their bodies they could mm. not move their arms mm. they could not project they could not look at people in the eye they could not be in relationship to another person on the stage with them it was so amazing to me and so uh, I started developing this curriculum based on how I relate to people on stage how I relate to the audience how I relate to my body how I relate to my voice how I relate to what's really going on back here when I'm out there you know what's I just started developing all this and it was fascinating to watch it work fascinating to watch people come out of this this fear the shell and actually start moving their arms their feet you know their eyes you know the projection their glow becoming you know becoming the star that you know you are in this movement we have to shine for these animals if we're not shining for these animals what do they have us dark depressed in our room on a, on a keyboard you know hating on people you know uh these animals need us to shine. So, I mean, it just took me to that for a minute because I'm like, gosh, you know, we all need to be a star for these animals. And we all have the power to do that. Yes. We all have that within us. It's just a matter of, to me at least, making that commitment to being like, you know what, I'm going to shine. One of my first steps coming up was acknowledging that I'm a leader, that I can shine. Yes. And I was like, you know what, I get to shine. Yes. For myself and for the animals. Yes. More importantly to me, for the animals. I'm like, I get like I get to be this. And if I'm not going to do it, because in my mind, I'm like, if I'm not going to do it, how, how am I going to expect anyone else to do it? And you need to know you can shine. Exactly. Don't listen to them telling you you can't, that you're not good enough. You know, gravitate around people that are shining, that are being all they can be for the animals in this movement. We need you. If, if, if it's true that we need to go vegan by 2026, get busy. Yeah, and whatever anyone else tells you and whatever the people around you tell you, we believe in you. Yes, we do. And there are so many people around the world who believe in you. That, like, and I, I really believe this when I say it. I'm yeah, like, I believe in people. Like, I believe in you. I believe that you have so much power, so much beauty. I believe that you, you have so much potential to shine. And I'm like, you get to do that for yourself and for the animals. Yeah, let's not play it small. Let's not play it small. All right, so that was awesome. Hope you were inspired. Hope you learned something. Thank you so much for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm Renee Kingson, and this is Ryuji Chua. And we are two rowdy vegans. <laughs> vegans. Peace out. Two, two, two rowdy vegans. Two, two, two rowdy vegans. Two, two, two rowdy vegans. Two, two. Two rowdy begins. Two, two rowdy begins. One plus one equals two rowdy begins. <laughs> <laughs>